0: Welcome, welcome guys. I'm here for another episode of The Lock In. I'm not with Dara. He's not with me right now. We're in Dublin for the Irish Open. I assume he's at home grinding. This is our day off. We took a Thursday off. Thought one day off is nice. I'm back in the city where I'm from. Chance to see friends and family. Taking a little walk right now through beautiful Merrion Square. Lots of lovely sights here in Dublin, obviously. But we're going to bring you this week a very special episode from the Irish Open. We hope we're going to be doing it from a studio setting. It's going to look very professional, much different from what we normally do. But uh, very much hoping to bring you some great stories, some gossip, some scandal, all the usual good stuff from this year's Irish Open. And uh, yeah, hopefully we will make for a very entertaining lock-in. And Darryl will be here too. He will be with me for the next bit, probably. Okay, guys, so this isn't the fancy studio setup that we promised you. We were working on that set for a lot of the weekend, taking turns joining Finda Gavin and Emmett Kennedy on comms at the Irish Poker Open. If you didn't see that coverage, by the way, it is well worth taking a look back at it, especially the final table coverage, which is really, really good. We genuinely did want to make what is our very special 50th episode of The Lock-In in more salubrious surroundings. But honestly, between playing and commentary, uh, Dara and I, our our schedules were pretty relentless last week. Dara, you join me now from your usual lock-in location. I'm in mine too. Happy 50th.
1: Happy 50th. Yeah, the only real change is I'm a little bit better centered on the screen now because I did a stream yesterday with Kevin Martin and their tech setup told me I was sitting off to one side, which I guess I've been doing ever since we started the lock in. (laughs) You'll see that we're nicely aligned now. We're in roughly the same seats. It would have been nice to use the really plush facilities out there in in City West. But, uh, you know, they were streaming quite a lot and uh, we were playing quite a lot. So it was always going to be difficult to happen. It's one of these things like you have meetings about it before and everybody says, oh, yeah, we'll definitely do it. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I just don't see this happening because everything has to align and that just never happens at live events.
0: Yeah, it really doesn't. It would have to be sort of before play each day. And that's pretty hard because you're playing until very late at night in those tournaments. So, yeah. And also our our two schedules would have had to sync up, which is rarely going to happen as well. One of us goes deep and, and that sort of scuppers us. Anyway, talk a little bit there about I guess you mentioned the setup there and the studio surroundings at City West, they were brilliant, but the room was also really well dressed. And I think maybe more than any other poker festival I've ever been at, World Series included, it felt like a sports event. It felt like they'd really gone to town with these huge screens, Mm -hmm. jumbotrons and and whatnot. It, It made it look very, very professional
1: yeah the room was incredible and actually quite a few people commented on that to me um i had a friend from lithuania it was literally the first thing he said he said he, he, he could never have imagined that a poker room could look so beautiful but just the, it was really tastefully designed the colors were really nice the screens in the middle gave it a real sense of atmosphere well lighted um and then you had the the area where the studio was essentially the feature table the whole thing was just really well put together um I honestly haven't seen as beautiful a poker room and as good a setup anywhere in the world, including at the Aussie Millions. And the Aussie Millions is great as well. But that I think that really added to the sense of occasion. You just walked in and suddenly you knew you were in a big thing. And also, I think one of the things we're lucky in Ireland is you can do it without any security. You, you know, People just walk, can walk in off the street. They don't have to be frisked. They don't have to show a membership card just to get in the door. Um, and that just sets it sets the tone of the atmosphere for me
0: yeah I totally agree it was just really really brilliant fair play to jp and paul obviously they did sterling work in preparation for it and i think it all paid off very nicely it's going to be a very irish open centric episode as i said we were expected to do it from the irish open so we're not going to sort of talk about much else uh, it has been Two years in exile to the virtual felt, the first major tournament, I think, if I remember correctly, to be affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. But it returned to City West Hotel to the delight of the international poker public who supported this event this year, as they have done for decades previous. It was an eight day festival on the heels of the Norwegian Poker Festival, as it often is these years, uh, with dozens of events. Uh, The big one, however, was won by none other than the great and good Steve O'Dwyer, maybe one of the best players to ever grace the felt. He absolutely dominated the final table through, I guess, a combination of exceptional poker, but also some run good. He hit his fair share of 70 thirties. Also in attendance were former champions, Dan Wilson, good friend of the shows and Paddy Clark, also a former guest who came fifth and eighth respectively. On that final table Steve took home 380k for first and Dara well you know you'd almost run out of superlatives for this man wouldn't you
1: yeah he did feel that he was probably a class above everybody else I mean I started my commentary stint on the second last day when there was a couple of tables left and he came to the feature table and he was kind of mid-pack at that point he didn't really have a dominating stack and he just kind of sat there and did what Steve O'Doard does which is to wait for very very good spots um Select his spots really well He he's not you know he's not the kind of maniac who's just going to go after every pot and try and win every pot he's very very selective that's pretty much his game like sort of a low variant style and as soon as he came to the table I was highlighting you know this is a guy we have to watch and um, Finton jokingly said to me afterwards I mean and f- what for the for the first hour or so I thought like what's the big deal with this guy he's just folding a lot there's he's not doing anything special but once he got his spots and he, and he picked up um, the, the chip lead. He just sort of hoovered away. Um, he he knew who to put the pressure on. He knew how to win pots uncontested, all that stuff. So he got to the final table as the chip leader. Um, Kyle, my good friend from Glasgow, was um the other big stack, and and Kyle's a great lad as well. Um, Kyle's been around for years. Um, great character, great player. So it was quite interesting. And they and they approached the start of the final table very very differently. Um, Kyle just sort of went for it, uh, three betting with stuff like Queen Six suited, et etc. et cetera, whereas um, Steve was taking the much more cautious style. Um, but he just gradually hoovered up. I mean, he knocked everybody out on the final table, I believe. And um, I mean, to be fair, he did run very well and he had a very good seat. Kyle was hampered by the fact that he was to the immediate right of, of Steve, who was the only player who covered him. So it wasn't that much of a surprise that those two guys got heads up
0: No, it sure wasn't. And uh, I suppose even though Steve did KO everyone, as you pointed out, an extraordinary thing to happen, actually. I don't think I've ever heard that happen on a final table before. It's fair to say that there were actually some great poker performances on show as well from the other players. Kyle, you mentioned in particular, I want to highlight actually our good friend, Dan Wilson, who really impressed with the short stack. We are something of the connoisseurs of short stack play on this show. And we particularly enjoyed Dan's ninja skills as he moved from ninth and managed to get himself fifth. I'm delighted to say actually that on our very next episode of the chip race, uh, we will feature both Steve and Dan, uh, unless one of them doesn't show up. I don't think that's going to happen. Steve, who is normally reticent and and unlikely to do an interview. In fact, he turned us down once before, did say that it's only fair that if I win, you know, the national championship, the Irish Open and 380k taken out of the Irish poker economy, I should probably do a 30 minute interview. So fair play to him on that. I did go up to him with about 12 to go. I think he was probably chip leader or second in chips at the time. And I said, Steve, if you win this, you know, you you have to come on the show, right? And he's like, OK, but only if I win. (laughs)
1: so clearly so only you know, a 95% chance then
0: <laughs> yeah exactly well I I just said to everybody well you heard it here now there's no he's no backseats from that one
1: <laughs> but look there were
0: more than just the main event in action over the week there was actually quite a brilliant actually, schedule before,
1: before we move on from Dan yeah I mean that was an incredible performance by Dan um and obviously, you know, we're both biased because Dan's a close friend of ours. And in the interest of full disclosure, I spent the morning of the final table running HRC Sims for Dan on, <laughs> on, on the starting stacks, what his ranges from every seat should be. So I would have been very, very disappointed if he'd made a mistake with the short stack early on. Um, But there were, two, there were those two hands which were... Basic, which basically almost certainly saved him. Um The ace king versus ace queen hand, which will be on the chip race, and, and we'll get Dan's thoughts on it. When that ha- when the ace hit the turn, I thought, okay, this is the end for Dan. Yeah. Can't see him getting away. And but he but he somehow managed to get away. And then there, he 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 was down to about twelve big blinds, um and he picked up pocket nines under the gun. And I think most people would just shove at that point, but Dan raised and managed to avoid it the cooler. Uh, he would run into queens and ace king behind. So it. Fold, you know, folds don't win you tournaments, but they do keep you in the tournament for longer, and they keep and they keep you alive. Keep give you the surf the chance. If Dan had gone on a heater from then, we would look back at those folds and say those folds potentially did win in the tournament. Um, but yeah, amazing performance by Dan. I'm actually going to be very interested to run the Ace King Ace Queen hand because quite a few people have said to me that they think even though he was correct on this occasion, um, it was an incorrect fold on the turn. A few people have also suggested maybe he misplayed the flop. My own personal feeling is that if it was just a pure GPV spot, in other words, early on in the tournament, he should have, um, it, the, the, they might be right. But with ICM, it's going to be very interesting to see what the solver says. I think the solver might actually suggest that Dan somehow found uh, the correct play. Well, no better man than yourself to
0: figure out the ICM of that incredible spot. And I'm glad you came back to it, actually, because it is worth really focusing uh, a few moments on Dan's performance more than I did him justice there. Uh, I'm glad you added on to that. Uh, As I said there, there was more than just the main event. The 5K high roller was a new addition to the schedule. It was also the 2K high roller, a 1K mystery bounty, which again was a a, a new thing. Uh, The 550 JP Masters, which has historically been the nice big side event uh the following day usually on on the day two of the main and then loads and loads of 350 events they were calling them championship events dara i know you were hoping to play the mystery bounty Mm -hmm. you obviously got called in to do some commentary on the final day we had a chat about this new format you played one in prague not too long ago we've both believed for a long time actually that it's only a matter of time before this format not just gets popularized but maybe even takes over online maybe even sort of like replaces the pko at some point or maybe yeah. takes up all the remaining equity that the pko hasn't uh, can you explain what a mystery bounty is for maybe anyone out there who doesn't know
1: yeah mystery bounty is first of all it's not a pko um it's not a case of you knock somebody out and you get an immediate bounty and something some part of it goes on your own head essentially when you knock somebody out as and first of all and second of all the the bounties don't kick in until day 2 so if you knock somebody out on day one, there's no bounty. Uh, but, but if you stick, a, if you knock somebody out on day two, there is a bounty, and that's a variable amount. Um, there's a draw. Everybody's guaranteed a certain minimum amount, and most of the bounties are the minimum amount. But then there's a larger amount, an even larger amount, and, and one very big prize. In the case of the Irish Open, I think it was 20000 was the maximum bounty. Now, the, the buying of the tournament is only one case, so that's, that's, that's pretty significant. And essentially what that means is that, normally in a PKO, at the start of a PKO, the, the bounties are very significant and ICM doesn't really matter. And at the end of a PKO, that kind of flips around. The bounties become less important and the ICM is much more important. But in a mystery bounty, because the bounties are proportionally more of the pool, um, because remember, you're not just... If, if let's say, one-sixth of the players get through to day two, then the average bounty is six times uh, what, what, what it would be, uh, what, what it would be. Buy-in portion was so the bounties are very very significant. So even on even with ICAM um, at the end of a tournament, the bounties still tend to predominate. And actually, you had you had quite an interesting spot near the bubble where I think in a in a normal tournament in in, in a PKO it would probably be in a fold, and even in a normal tournament it would certainly have been a fold. But because of the 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 bounty element, um, you kind of had to go with a fairly marginal hand. They're very, very popular because of that big first prize, and that's kind of what people focus on. But actually, um, they're also quite interesting because there's quite a lot of maths you have to work out. What's the average value of the bounty? How do you convert that into uh, – how does that affect your strategy at the table? How much How much does it widen your ranges? How, how much – um how differently should you play certain types of hands etc etc so it's it's a whole new world it's an area that uh there's almost no content written on i've written one strategy piece um for pokerstrategy.com i think on on the things and to echo what you said earlier um i had a book meeting with barry this morning uh to talk about our next book um but we're toying with the idea of making the, the one after that about mystery bounties, because we do feel that it is really, it's really going to catch on as a format and potentially replace PKO's. Um, that's kind of likely. So it's kind of good news for us and bad news for us. If PKO's disappear at, at a fashion, then our second book is kind of rendered redundant. Um, but if mystery bounties really take over and we're the first book on the market to um, that's, that's obviously good for us. It's, it's very, it's a very interesting format, and I'm still kind of grappling with the maths of certain things, and um, I'm looking forward to running a lot of sims and see just how different it is. I think it could be this, the kind of thing where, you know, in, in, in satellites, you have fold-everything spots. I think in this, there's going to be a lot of shove-everything spots or play-everything spots.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You you said there uh, it's a whole new world. It sounds like it's a whole new book as well. And that's uh, exciting that you might get to the forefront of that. I don't think PKOs are in danger on the online felt. I think they'll still have a place, although I can see mystery bounties being sprinkled in uh, as much. But in live, PKOs are very awkward to run. So I can absolutely see mystery bounties sort of maybe taking over the live arena in the way that pkos took over the online one i can absolutely see that happening and uh, that would be my prediction personally it's going to be interesting
1: to watch what happens with the online mystery bounties i kind of feel that they're not going to be as exciting online because a lot of the excitement is just being in the room and seeing people throw out bounties and people cheering when some are are booing probably the people left in the tournament when the big bounty goes (laughs) and that that really adds a a unique sense of occasion to it. Online is going to be a little bit different. It's just going to be, you knock somebody out and you see your balance go up by a certain amount. I don't think there's going to be the same uh, ceremony about it. So yeah, I think you're right. I don't think PKO's will completely die online. I mean, one of the problems we had with um, the second book, the PKO book, and it's the reason why of the three books it's sold the least, is that it's they are almost exclusively an online phenomenon. Uh, I I think mystery bounties have a future online as well. I do think there will be a certain demand for them. But I think live they're going to be huge. Um, I mean, I could I could literally see a future where half the tournaments, half the side events, are mystery bounties because I think they're so popular, such a popular idea, and recreations absolutely love them. And I think it is actually in the interests of recreations too. I mean, poker play uh, professionals kind of hate adding variance and a lottery element to it, but that's actually in the interests of the other of, of the recreational players. Um, it sort of spreads the money around more. Uh, based on luck rather than pure poker skill, and um, for the for the for the players who don't have the time to put in the same amount of study and effort, I think that's to their benefit.
0: Absolutely. Well, looking at some of the results from the Irish Open, our former newsman Ian Simpson cashed three out of four events, including the 5K and the JP Masters. Fair play to him. He also was fairly close to the money in the main. He had a big stack in the main. I kind of didn't know what happened. Dara, you and I were trying to, you know, get through with shorter stacks. He had absolutely heaps. And then I did make it through just by the skin of my teeth. He exploded uh, close to the end as... You know, I would say it was maybe Ian Simpson uh, circa 2017 or 18. He's obviously not as explosive these days, but he did get unlucky in that one. Dar you obviously got pretty close to the bubble as well in the main.
1: Yeah, I was super short. I had I, I one big hand against Seamus Cattle, which I played against. I played in a way which I would not normally play. I played specifically because it was against Seamus. And um, unfortunately, uh, on this occasion, it didn't work out. So I was trying to navigate five to seven big blinds to the bubble and... Um, didn't manage to get there. Uh, I fell about 30 short. Um, but yeah, you 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 did a great job cockroaching your way through. Ian never told us exactly what happened to 300k. He <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed for the bubble, he he was very silent about that. I mean, he's a man who 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 goes for it and attacks bubbles as well. So when you have that kind of stack, there's a lot to be said for that because if he gets through the bubble with six or seven hundred thousand, he's in an amazing spot. Um, but yeah, like who knows what? Maybe he was just cooler. But I kind of feel not because he probably would have told us.
0: <laughs> I feel like he would have as well.
1: Okay, yeah. our good friend and. Anna- former
0: guest Jamie Nixon who in fairness is giving a lot of credit to the chip race run good he believes in the concept he came second in the 2k his second second place in a high roller this very month he followed up his UK IBT runner up finish Uh, he did that one in London as I recall how good is Jamie Dara? he's really putting an impressive CV together this past couple of years
1: Yeah, he is, and and, I mean, Jamie's obviously a very good player. I think he's primarily, I think he's probably a better live player than than online, although he has done very well online, Um, and he has addressed a lot of the technical leaks that he had, um, say, a few years ago. So he's a much more technical player these days, and when you combine that with somebody who reads people very well, uses table image and picks up on stuff very well and uh and all the other life skills then you do have a life force but obviously i mean it always comes with the caveat that he's obviously running pretty well as well but it's not surprising to see jamie go on a, on, a, on a heater let's put it like that and um and he's a very nice lad too so very happy for him and speaking of very nice lads before we move on from the mystery bounty, the, the winner is a former student of mine, Johnny McCullough, who's one of the nicest lads you'll ever meet on the on the Irish Poker circuit, And also a really good player, guy who studies really, really hard. So I'm very, very happy to see him uh, take down the mystery bounty.
0: I'm delighted to hear that as well. That's great news too. Um, speaking of people with impressive CVs, our former guest, Alex Kulev. He was on the show not too recently, so he, maybe he can claim some chip race run good too. Uh, he's going from strength to strength. He is the 2021 Irish GPI number one, obviously, as well. And he did something quite remarkable in the main event. While he was playing day two and building a big stack, I might add, he also played the 5K GG mystery bounty Uh on his laptop by the time it was bagging up time in the main, he was pretty deep in that one. And he ultimately took the event down for almost 300 K, which basically like winning first prize in the main event of the Irish open. Uh, Dara, I said to a few people who I think looked at me a bit curiously that I already thought that in a short space of time, he could be classified as one of the great Irish poker players. That might sound like a bit of hyperbole to some, but there really are, some extraordinary results on this young man's resume. He's also a genuine triple threat, live, online, cash games. He can kind of do it all. How insanely good is Alex? Do you rate him like I do, Dara? And um, am I going a bit far putting him in that sort of like all-time
1: Irish category already? It might feel a little bit premature. He's obviously a sick, good player. But um, again, you know, the same thing I said about Jamie, he's obviously running very well at the moment too. So, you know, I don't want to sound like Phil Helmut, you know, come back in five years and, and we'll talk. But, <laughs> um, I mean, he said, he certainly has the skills and he has a tremendous attitude, tremendous temperament, which is, might be more important. And he works super, super hard. So, so long as he keeps all that going. Yeah. I think, I think, um, success is almost guaranteed. I mean, he, he does has have his detractors as well. Um, i believe you weren't too impressed by
0: <laughs> yeah i want to i want to point out that even though i'm rating him so highly and, and talking him up here he is actually my new poker nemesis because he knocked me out of the uh my first bullet of the irish open main flatting nine six off suit on the button very disrespectful call in my view and flopping a straight so i was just dead to rights uh he also told me that he had the option to win either the bulgarian or the irish gpi number one last year he could have claimed uh citizenship for either but he chose to be irish Purely because he thought I didn't deserve it. I was in
1: second place, so screw him. Uh, he's done us all a the service. Then I mean, Smith said this to me too. Like Smith, Smith said, how how bad a reflection of Irish Booker would it be? GPI number one is uh, is 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 David Lappin, a washed-up old content creator who who's so bad that young lads are flatting nine six on the button against him. Um, and I'm glad
0: you called me a content creator. I thought you were going to use another word when you started
1: with a C there yeah uh and, and yeah so um yeah fair play to alex for that and uh he uh he did us all the service although i, I believe you're probably top, topping the rankings again at the moment so we all need to get our finger out to, to, to stop that happening and um, we can't have uh, you going around forever telling us that you're ireland's number one live <laughs> poker player that would be absolutely unbearable it, um, is a, it is a,
0: a significant motivator, I would have thought. The, the, the fact that Steve O'Dwyer, I don't think, is down as Irish on the GPI, at least at the moment, it's probably kept me in that spot for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Dan Wilson and Clicky might have you in trouble by the end. And um, and actually, um, also, just a shout out to a couple of other Irish players who did really well in the minute. Misha Roos, who is... a Obviously not originally Irish, but is very much an honorary Irish man. He says lives in Ireland, plays plays on the Irish circuit. He he did a tremendous performance to get to the final table. Tommy Gelazunas is in the same category. Lucky Mo, like there's no more dub person than uh, <laughs> Lucky Mo, and we were very very sad to see him uh, fall short of the final table. It would have been epic. Um, but yeah, speaking of enemies of yours, as you've now decided that Alex is your enemy, I believe you rush uh, a piece, and oh, no. some interviews on another enemy of yours, um, William kasouf
0: you're, you're the third person to tee me up. me it, it Like, I know some people think I kind of go around looking for attention and looking for clicks, like as if it's got some kind of currency and it'll make me rich someday. Emma Kennedy brought this up on the live stream and kind of put me on the spot. Then Laura hit me with it in a live uh, interview and then okay fair enough I did write about it because I sort of wanted to clarify my views a bit as well now, thanks a lot Dar. I was hoping I wouldn't have to mention this but um, look I, I suppose here I'll tell you what we can do better in my own words rather than me talk more about it I've asked permission from the guys at Irish Open can we use this clip so it's a short clip and we'll go to it now
1: There was a bit of controversy earlier as uh, Uh one of of our uh, players, well, Mr. Will I want to hear your opinions on him because I think they're they're quite strong opinions. Well,
0: look, you know, he (laughs) has... Yeah, he has a scandal in his past. You know, he did palm chips in the Grosvenor Casino several years ago. I would view him with suspicion, to be honest. When he's at my table, I'm keeping a close eye on my own stack. I think you know he's deft with the palming, and you know guys need to watch out. You know the genuine, genuine PSA out there. If you're at the table with him, you should be careful because. I don't trust the guy and, you know, I had to play poker with him for two half days during this festival so far. And, you know, I had to keep my eye on my stack at all times. I mean, he's putting on the the bravado, though. He's still going at it like he always does. (laughs) Yeah, he's sort of a David Brentish character in poker at some level. When you go back to that World Series coverage from a few years ago, he was sort of a tragic figure at some level. I know people enjoyed the banter. I think most people who had to sit with him didn't. To see someone like Kenny Hallert, who's a great pal of mine and a very, you know, even keeled, steady guy, be as annoyed with the person as he was when, and, and, and as happy to see. Uh, William Bust, that main event as he was, I think speaks volumes for how much he was driving everyone crazy. He does, you know, we were having a lovely day, day one C, I think it was, uh, before he arrived and he arrived. And then the talk, which is not original. It's the same seven catchphrases over and over again. He does your head in. But the worst part of it is he slows the game down terribly. We played half the hands once he arrived. It just creates a horrible atmosphere at the table. Nobody enjoys it. Nobody thinks he's funny. And I just, you know, yeah, I wish he was blacklisted, to be honest.
1: I mean, we got to have a few bad boys loud mouths and poker or it'll be a bit boring, no? Well,
0: look, you know, it, uh, you know, it, it certainly makes it interesting. It certainly creates controversy. And I, I, I'm sure people will write articles. I might write one well myself about it. But <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, you you'd rather be in a safer environment without people that you feel might, you know, put their hand in your pocket. OK, so Dara, I must say that I expected some blowback from both that interview you just watched and the article I put out. And... It did cross my mind, I will say, to deflect the question, both from Emma and from Laura, but I guess that's not really in my nature. And I just preferred to give an honest take, to be honest. Do you think that I was too savage, I suppose? Like it's almost four years ago. Will did get punished for what he did at the time. You know, he lost his deal. And sort of bringing this up again, I think some people might feel like I'm bringing up ancient history. I suppose he was at the table with me and I caught him in some silly lies and stuff. And that. But, you know, ultimately, you know, like, sh- should this just be kind of let go and let be part of his past? Or is it sort of like he's a pariah out there? He stole once he could steal again and people do need to be watched. Like, I, I suppose I'm hearing all the feedback to the articles and I sort of like to know whether I've overblown this.
1: Yeah, this is one of your pieces that you that you wrote that I actually got a lot of feedback on too. Um, there's a certain class of people who are afraid to give negative criticism to you, but for some reason they come to me and say, <laughs> "I don't like what Dave's doing there," and I, I, I'm happy to talk it out with them rather than just go, "Well, why don't you talk to Dave about it?" Um, I think in from what I gather. And I mean, there are some very, very reasonable people who are uncomfortable with the piece that you wrote. So I don't want to. Um, I do. I. 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 I don't want to wash that away. And I think what I would say is that you were asked by Amish about this, and you obviously responded. And I think you responded fine. I don't think you have to hold back in that spot where you're asked a direct question. And and similarly, when Laura followed it up, you you answered again. I think where a lot of people felt uncomfortable is then you you went on and wrote the article, so it just f- feels like you're banging the same drum constantly, and uh, and and you don't need any prompting for this. And all of the stuff that you mentioned was pretty much old news. You know, we, we pretty much we all know about the, the the incident which resulted in him losing his sponsorship deal, and he did pay a very heavy price for that. And there is a sort of a feeling, well, he you know he did the time, he did the crime, he did the time, but now we don't talk about that forever, forever more, just because that. And also I think, you know, I mean, I've had some very pleasant interactions with Will. I don't really have the same negative view of Will that a lot of people have, or at least not as negative. He he does annoy me some at times as well at the table with the really slow pay, the stalling, and the very repetitive um table talk. But I'm not as I think I'm not as tilted about that stuff as a lot of people are. So I think when you have somebody who you know you find deeply annoying and and is actually slowing up the game a lot, then there is more of a tendency to pile on. Um, But I don't think we can keep beating him off the same thing over and over again. And and I think that's the charge which has been leveled. However, on the other hand, I think the fact that the the very specifics of the, of, of what he did palming chips is significant in a poker context because, you know, we're all sitting at a table with him. And there may be people who are not aware of that past and, I mean I'm not wish I'm 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 not suggesting he's he's still going on palming chips but it it is a concern that when when you're at a table with a guy who has that skill who has that ability to palm chips that maybe we need people to watch him and and the other players should be more watchful of their own stacks so I think there was a sort of a public service announcement element to your story as well just reminding people to to, to be careful so I do understand the criticism of 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 people saying look he's, be, he's beating the same drum the guy's done his um done his time and let's not harp on about this forever but at the same time i do think it is valid to to remind people of what the exact crime was given that it's one which would be very harmful if if it recurred in a poker room
0: well i think that's a a very reasonable take and probably explains why people go to you before they come to me maybe too. um i don't mean to Um, sort of kick a guy when he's down. I I genuinely don't. But I do feel like I don't trust him is my honest take. And I guess I expressed that and I was put on the spot. And then I guess I have expressed it again in writing and maybe maybe that was unnecessary. Maybe it was unnecessary to write the article as well. But I sort of wanted to clarify because when you put on the spot, you don't necessarily give your reflective take. You you sort of give your uh, knee jerk take because, you know, you just have that moment to say it live. And I felt like, well, I'd rather put words to something as complicated as my feelings about this guy who really does wreck my head. Anyway, guys, look on that note and sometimes it's not necessarily a fun note to end on. um, This has been it from our 50th episode of The Lock In, our very special Irish Open episode that's not actually really been filmed from the Irish Open as promised. Apologies for that. Before we go, I want to give a quick plug for a few upcoming Unibet Online series things. The online series is in about three days I'm going to guess from when this comes out it starts on Sunday the 24th of April till Monday the 9th of May all the usual extra value coming through the four leaderboards on that one low, medium high and overall so best of luck to anyone who's playing that A little bit of extra Unibet news as well next up for live poker I'm playing the Battle of Malta followed by two back-to-back Unibet festivals I'm playing the Malta Poker Festival and uh, the second week of the Dublin Poker Festival Dara you will be in Dublin for both weeks of the Dublin Poker Festival that makes sense we have to split our resources in a situation where Unibet are just all over the map in two places at once um, Dara will be playing the A Cup and the European Deep Stacks both of which by the way you can still qualify on uh, unibetpoker.com so if you haven't given those saddies a spin and you fancy getting in on the cheap uh, give them a go at the weekend as well Dara O'Carney I want to say thank you as always
1: Thank you. Yeah, um, I am very much looking forward to wake up in European Deep Sack. European Deep Sack has a special place in my heart, obviously, because that was the, I won the very first running of that. And that was kind of my arrival on the live poker scene in Ireland. And I think I've finally tabled it three to, uh, twice since. So it's a tournament I've traditionally gone very well in, and it was sort of my first big splash. Um, I'm also looking forward to playing the seniors because I was actually looking forward to playing the seniors at the at the Irish Open and, and um, rectifying my appalling record in seniors tournaments. But uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I had to do commentary on the last day um, of the uh, for the final table, which I've obviously very much enjoyed, but it did mean that I had to miss a senior. So I'm looking forward. It's actually the Irish Seniors Championship, which is going to be uh, a part of that festival. Looking forward to that too. But actually, before we go, I believe you have one other um Plug, let's say, to uh,
0: no, we're not allowed to talk about that one, Dara. Shush, shush, shush. Oh, yeah.
1: I was, I was full sure you were just going to leak it all over the, all over your microphone there. Uh, in no, class-
0: it, yeah. we literally we could leave it was, if this show, went out one day later, we could leak it, or well, or we wouldn't even be leaking it because it would be news anyway. I so, so it's coming in one
1: day, basically. You're saying now
0: it. I feel like we should say it, but maybe I still can't. No, I don't want to get sacked, but uh, there is big news coming. It's new, it's unibet news, it's related to live poker, um, maybe you can piece together from that. I live in Malta. No, I've said too much. I've said I too think much. I okay. think
1: I've, I I feel like it's going to be a heads up challenge between you and Will Kesuf, and <laughs> when you lose that, it'll be even more humiliating than the time Ian Simpson beat you. Oh, also in Malta, incidentally.
0: Don't remind me of that. That's already haunting me. The the Vendetta in Valletta, twenty what eighteen? Yeah, okay. Ian spanked me that time. Fair play. Um. Well, well, wouldn't it be so interesting if all Will and I have been doing was hyping up this much anticipated heads up contest? That's the kind of thing We should have thought of Actually That's sort of WWE stuff Anyway I think I've already Said too much I think we're already Going to get in trouble Natalie Sobaco Perry Is going to be In our emails Tomorrow morning Okay we're in trouble Guys Before I say any more Thank you so much For joining us We will have a very good Chip Rays episode with Dan Wilson. It'll sort of be, again, Irish Open themed. Uh, Steve O'Dwyer, very special guest on that one as well. We'll also have Yvonne monte uh, talking about the Malta Poker Festival. And then on the next lock-in, I think we will be together, Dara, at the Dublin Poker Festival. So we might try and actually do a live one then.
1: Yeah, and that's really that will either be probably it won't happen or it will be in front of curtains again in our hotel room. Um, <laughs> but, it, but yeah, it's, it's 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 nice to think that I have at least eight days break from you. And then then we will do a lock in as soon as we get back together. One last shout out. Uh, Kevin O'Donnell stayed with me during this Irish Open. Uh, legend. He's an absolute lunatic, but also an absolute legend. He drove. me. He stole
0: me, your uh, wife, Dara. I saw He I saw stole my wife.
1: Yeah, I was supposed to go out uh, to dinner last night with my wife and um I had to do a, the last minute. I got a last minute request to do the uh, stream with Kevin Martin, and um, he stepped into the breach. and And uh, not only that, but goaded me with pictures uh, from the from the hot date, as he was insisting it was.
0: I hope he didn't step fully into the breach. On that note, good night.